Welcome to the fifth episode of the Need to Know Basis podcast for everything that you need to know. You're joined today by your co-hosts, Dania and Tanya, and a very, very special guest who is actually leaving the university today, Dr. Ifaz Hader. Ifaz Hader is a research associate with Dr. Prism Schneider currently at the University of Calgary, but as of tomorrow, that is not true, and he will be a finite element researcher working with the federal government of Canada. So welcome to our podcast, Ifaz. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for that <laughs> awesome introduction, you guys. Yeah. Um, why don't you take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself, let the audience get to know you. Okay, sure. So um, uh, my background is in aerospace engineering. I did that at Carleton University. Um, and then at the end of that degree, I realized I really wanted to um, I started my master's degree with a Dr. Hans-Peter Frey in Carleton University, and I was right. We worked together really well, so what started as a master's turned into a fast track to a PhD, um, and, that, and that was all in, that was when I started getting out of um, aerospace and into biomedical, so all of that work was on bones and bone fracture. After that, I came to the University of Calgary. I worked with uh, Dr. Brent Edwards. I was there for quite some time. Um, we did a lot of fun stuff, bone testing, bone imaging. And as part of that time, I got to meet Prism and I got to work with uh, Dr. Prism Schneider uh, on some really cool projects involving a phenomenon called atypical femoral fracture. So as part of that, you know, we, we got to collaborate with Prism a bunch. I got to know her well. So then when my time as a postdoc ended, uh, you know, she, she very kindly like hired me on as a research associate. And unfortunately, it was a little bit shorter than um, we anticipated, but uh, I definitely still learned a lot. I still had an amazing time working with you guys for like the past, what is it, like yeah, about six months or yeah. so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then that brings me to today. <laughs> um, so that's an awesome intro of yourself. And clearly you've done so much in life. You have so many experiences. You're very successful. You're this big shot. I mean, but... moderately successful. <laughs> like... um, but what I want to say is that the thing about you that really stands out is that even though you're so successful and you are so knowledgeable, you are so humble about it. And you're so approachable. So us trainees feel like we can ask you the dumbest questions and you never make us feel dumb about it. And that is just like something that I really look up to in you. And I'm sure so many people listening to this right now can relate. And it's different. It's not something we see very often in successful people. So like, I guess, I don't know if I have a question with this, but more so like, wow, good job. <laughs> but also like, how do you do that? How do you okay. stay true to your character so, while being I, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll add on to that. Um, I mean, among other things, like remember, like I went from being in aerospace to being in biomed. So I went, like, I literally knew nothing about biology, right? So I think if I have these good qualities, well, besides learning it from my parents who you know, t taught me very patiently when I was a kid. It's definitely something I picked up from my mentors because they were always really patient with me as I literally learned about this field that I knew nothing about. I will say though, I think I think you're not giving yourselves enough credit. Like, I don't feel like I've gotten a dumb question from anyone <laughs> in our lab. Like, actually, I find the questions you guys have had have been like insightful. Um, this is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, this is, I think you, even when we're telling you that you're doing so great, I think you'll reverse it and compliment the other person. So this is exactly, I feel like, why we look up to you yeah. so much. No, I'm not complimenting you. Like, I'm literally <laughs> trying to think back. We're like, all right, which one was the dumb question? And like, I can't think of it. So 
<laughs> yeah, so I think you guys aren't give, giving yourselves enough credit. Because um, the truth is, um, at, like, like I do, I do, you know, I'm really interested in teaching as well. And, like, mm-hmm. one, one of the things that's a key part of my teaching philosophy is I feel like asking questions is how you learn. Mm-hmm. So with that idea in mind, I don't think there is a – like, mm-hmm. you have to get really, really right. far to get to what I'd consider a dumb question. And yeah, I don't think yeah. I've encountered that in, in – yeah, in quite some time. Because of all the experience that you have, um, you've also mentored quite a lot of students, you know, you've taught university classes. And even with us, uh, you've had a summer student with you this past summer, and uh, you clearly have a great knack for it. And I'm sure the humility plays a part into it because people feel comfortable coming to you. With all that experience, what do you think makes for a great mentor like yourself? I'm glad that you, well, I think you're seeing like, the end result of like many years of learning how to be a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely going to, I'll say that like, it's been a learning experience in the sense of, I'll, I'll give an example, like my, my first student and I won't name him because he was amazing. Right. Um, like the first time I mentored someone, I felt like it was my job to be as helpful as possible. And then at the end of that, I realized, you know what, like if I'm always helping them, then I'm not giving them the opportunity to learn. So like, I feel like like that was one lesson I learned with my first with one of my first mentees, mm-hmm. and I feel like every time I've had a mentee, I've learned like a different lesson that's helped me be like a more rounded and more effective, helping them get to where they need to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and there's, you know, if anything, if I've learned anything, it's that everyone's a little different. Everyone needs a little something different, and I think that every time I've had a different student. I've sort of learned a different lesson or I've learned a different approach that sort of makes the whole thing uh, better for the students. So I'm not going to say I've perfected it. I don't think I have, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, but I think I've gotten, you know, definitely progressively better at it over the years. Um, I think that's what makes you so great that your mindset isn't expecting students to be like perfect from the get go. You're really there expecting us to be like, yeah, we're willing to learn, help us. Mm -hmm. And that is just something that I think we need to hear more often because mm-hmm. it gets really scary sometimes when you feel like you have to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure you've had so many fun opportunities and incidences with students because, you know, we do some crazy <laughs> things. <laughs> Can you recall one of the most like funniest or just like craziest experiences you've had with a student? I don't know if this is a crazy experience, but um, I had a student who, uh, and she's an amazing student. But especially when she was starting, she was like like a little more nervous. So it was someone who I definitely wanted to like make sure to to ease them in. And it turns out that like the first day that I leave them alone uh, for anything, a fire alarm goes off, <laughs> and they and they're not used to being in this building, so like they have no idea what to do. And, and it was literally I left them for like ten oh, minutes, gosh. but I was downstairs and I couldn't find my way up to them. So I think that was a pretty quirky and, and, and fun experience. Oh, that's funny. Um, that that same student actually a few years later had a um, I had a really fun time with um, because they, uh, they came back to the lab and we had another student working with her. And I remember one day um, she's just coming to me with like this look of like abject fear in her eyes, almost in tears, mm. and being like Ifas. I did, like, like I saw them like whispering to each other in the background and then they kind of walked up slowly to me and they're like, I don't know how to say this, but one of the bones is gone. Oh no. And then I had just had a big smile on my face and I laughed and was like, yeah, Brent and I tested that one the other day. Like, 
Like, what did you guys think I was gonna do? Like, they like definitely thought someone broke in yeah. and like stole a bone, yeah. and it was on them. I could, I, I relate to that. Yeah. It was us working on it, and a bone is yeah. missing. Someone yeah. stole it. Like in, in hindsight, I should have let them know that Brent and I were, were doing some work, and like we already tested that one, and we did some stuff with it. Yeah. That's why it's not there. But it made for a great story. It made for a great story. I laughed with them about it for yeah. like, I'm like, why were you so scared? Like, they're just happened? bones. Like, what do you think they're like? We'll uh, find it. Like that's funny. Um, I love that. Yeah. Um, I think we touched on this a little bit with the different places that you've gotten your education from. You've True. moved around a lot, and I think we always joked about that because I've also moved around a lot in yeah. my life. But with that comes with you know being able to adapt really quickly. Is that where you think your social skills came from, or how did you kind of find comfort in moving around so much and getting different jobs and having? Having to get used to so many new people and new environments. Oh, absolutely. I feel like because, um, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but for the audience, um, as a kid, I moved around a whole bunch. I think I counted like five different primary schools mm -hmm. before starting high school or something like that. Yeah. Um, sometimes like twice in the same year. Um, so I had to get really good at making friends very fast. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's one of those things like every skill, right? You learn how to do it, the more you have to do it. So, so there's a lot of people who like, you know, grew up with their friends. They only ever had to make friends that one time. Yeah. So they've kind of forgotten what it took to, mm -hmm. to, to get started on that, on that. The, the, the idea of going around and having to like meet new people and make new friends mm -hmm. and just be comfortable around new people is, um, a, it's been a very useful skill to have. I'll definitely say that. So. I come from the opposite end of that spectrum where I moved into my current house after like two days after being born. And I've lived <laughs> there for the last 23 years in the same bedroom, same neighbors, same everything. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't even imagine having to pick up and move that many times, mm -hmm. like leaving your family, leaving your friends, making friends. And like, honestly, I struggled with change. And I think once you become comfortable with changing, you're like finally free. You're finally free <laughs> in life. Um, but in terms of like family and friends, you have a partner currently of what, like five years? 10? 10 years. Oh my gosh. I'm half <laughs> off. And now you're leaving and you're moving away. How do you feel about that long distance? How are you guys going to manage that? Uh, when I first moved here, we were a long distance for like two years. Mm -hmm. So, um, if, if anything, it's easier now because, like, we're just older and more tired, so. <laughs> That's fair. I feel like after being with someone for so long, I feel like you were already, like, almost perfected it. So it's like. Yeah. Just... Yeah. So, like, by the end of that two-year period, we'd have a system mm -hmm. of, you know, like, like, like you know, maybe on Zoom and right. things yeah, for a few absolutely. hours every day yeah. and stuff like that. So we're, we're pretty used yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's nothing new. It's nothing yeah. new. That's yeah. fair. Do you have any tips or pieces of advice for people who are now about to move away from family or friends or partners and how they can stay connected with them? Oh, that's a, so, um, video chatting was big for us. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we, we definitely spend a lot of time just kind of on weekends when I'm cooking, well, we'll just be on zoom like all day mm -hmm. talking about random stuff or just do, doing our own thing. Even just with the video chat on, we spend a lot of time doing that. Um, in terms of advice, I don't necessarily have great advice. I know that for us, it worked out very well because, you know, we've been going out for a long time. We'd survived, you know, two comps, mine and hers. Mm -hmm. And like, we didn't kill each other. So yeah. we knew that like- <laughs> An accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, like we, we knew that we didn't like, uh, like, like got along well and we knew how to like um, 
sort of have we had we had stability even by the time that I uh, first moved away. I think that was really important. Like that's mm-hmm. without that, it, it's probably harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, when it comes to relationship stuff, I've just sort of like lucked out. I think the part about like zooming and video calling often, uh, it's really important because how else do you stay connected? Yeah. Um, but like also just like planning it out and taking time out to remember like, oh yeah, I have a person I need to call and yeah. you know, cause yeah. it's hard when you get busy, you get yeah. tired. Um, like my sister, for example, she's moved away. And like the only way we stay connected is video calling or like we do like Snapchat vlogs. <laughs> um, and like sometimes it makes me sad because I feel like we're not living in each other's lives we're just yes. kind of like hearing about each other's lives yeah. which is kind of sad when you think about it but anyways wrong turn Aaron's <laughs> gonna come live with you soon whatever um, um but yeah I, it's important to have I that know mindset. that feeling I feel that way about some of my cousins who I grew up with where like obviously we were really close when we were you know growing up together and now I just see them like I think most recently I saw them for like the first time in like five years yeah and it feels like I'm just hearing about their lives right, rather than yeah. being a, a close part of it yeah, it's, get a it's, quick it's, summary. Yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. tough. Um, in the case of Aaron and I, it's like even when we're here, we spend a lot of time just like doing our own thing, but just like yelling stuff at each other across yeah. Yeah. Uh, from, from our computers. Yeah. So doing that over Zoom is not actually that much more different than that. Mm-hmm. So that helps us out. Yeah. 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 I wanted to quickly go back um, to the previous uh, conversation about, you know, moving around a lot. Um, when Danny was talking about how she has, you know, stayed in that same house and, you know, had the same neighbors. For me, I look at that really endearingly because I miss that, you know. I've, again, same thing. I think I've moved like 10 times before going into university or something like that. So I've always envied people that had that, you know, childhood friends that you grew up together with. Do you, if you could do all of it again, do you think you would choose to kind of move around a lot? Because you know, as you said, it came with a lot of skills and friends making skills, but um, do you feel like you missed out on stuff? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, especially at first moving around is hard, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're young, especially if you're doing it like, like some of my moves were around when I was like, just like a, an early teen, like, like, you know, 11, 12, 13, those moves in particular were really challenging. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to say if I do it again in yeah. the sense of, it was really hard at the time and I hated it. Mm-hmm. So maybe not, but at the same time, I appreciate uh, what I got out of it. So yeah. maybe the answer is I wouldn't, but I should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. So like for the future, do you think soon enough, you'll just pick a place and stay there and settle down? And <laughs> so that's all it's too early to say that's always been the plan. Um, I know that where I work, I feel like everyone I've interacted with has been there for about a decade or more so um and fingers crossed i mean the objective is not to move around unless i really have to so uh, I'm, I'm hoping to stick around kind of for a long time but yeah we talked about moving a lot um, making time for family now what all of this leaves you with is just a really busy schedule so touching on that i wanted to know how do you actually make time for yourself de-stress or what are your some hobbies what do you what do you do to keep yourself grounded Oh, uh, I have a lot of, ho- I have a lot of really nerdy hobbies. Yes, so. I want to hear about all of them. So, okay, so, so um, I play a lot of video games, um, okay. watch a lot of movies. Nice. We, I, I think, I, I don't know if I was telling you this, but like um, for the audience, mm-hmm. I live right next to a VIP theater 
And like, it's gotten to the point where they'll just like see us and be like, oh yeah, we know you guys. <laughs> Regulars, yeah. So definitely Gross. all of that. One of the cool things or well, the interesting things that I learned from my undergrad was how important it is to take time to cool off and relax. And I know that because I spent a lot of my undergrad not doing that. So I remember during my undergrad at one point, like we were, me and my friends were basically in the lab effectively 24 hours a day. Um, it got to the point where like the lady who comes in to clean the lab at 5 a.m. Uh, brought us cookies because she felt sorry for us. Aww. Yeah, but we, we all realized very quickly and the way we describe it is eventually you get to a point where the wheels are spinning, but there's no traction on the tires. Right. So you're just there, but you're not being productive. Mm -hmm. So I learned that like, uh, making time for myself isn't a luxury. It's critically something that you need to do in order to be productive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, I, I agree with that because I feel like even during undergrad, I feel like even now I take time for myself, but it's just really procrastinating. I'm on my phone, so it's not very intentional. And so what ends up happening is I've just spent like the last hour scrolling, doom scrolling on Instagram yeah. and didn't really take time for myself. Didn't you know, yeah. relax, but now I have all these things to do. So I think intentionally choosing to do things like video games or going to the movies yeah. are important because it's an active thought process and you're actually relaxing. So yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. So our next question is a little bit of a different take than what we've been um, talking about so far. So if I was, you're a visible minority, you're a person of color, mm -hmm. and those are things that, you know, you either have it or you don't. And then because of it, you have certain experiences in life and academia right now. I mean, I'm glad to look around McKegg and be like, wow, we actually have a lot of representation, but even five years ago or 10 years ago, or, you know, however many years ago, it wasn't the same. And maybe when you were an undergrad and when you were starting to have your path as a master's and PhD student, um, did you ever have any experiences that you think um, maybe were different because you were a minority or did you ever feel like a little bit lonely if you had classes that, you know, didn't have people with like the same culture as you? Um, do you have sure. anything to share? So I'll say um, one of the nice things about, again, all, all the different places I've lived in, you know, I started by, I grew up in New York City mm -hmm. and then moved to Vancouver. Like I've always lived in places that were very diverse mm -hmm. and very often it's not like there were a lot of Bengali people around me at any mm -hmm. given time. So I'm pretty comfortable, like, um, you know, being in an environment where I don't necessarily have people from the same ethnic background as me. I've always had a lot of friends from a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. And I and I found that that was, that's never been an issue. Yeah. So in that sense, I've never felt not comfortable um, just in a room, regardless of what the sort of, um, eth not, not, not just like an ethnic, but like male, female, um, or any sort of background. Mm -hmm. um, in, in that sense, I've never really noticed it. Mm -hmm. In terms of have I ever had any challenges. So I'll say that one of the nice things about being me is I'm generally kind of oblivious sometimes. <laughs> so chances are I've had difficulties and just not noticed yeah. that, that, that we're associated with race. So that, that's more likely to have happened. But the truth is personally, I find that uh, since it's not something I can control directly, I don't think about it or I try, I don't really focus on noticing it either. Like, um, you know, I do generally, I do the best I can. And then usually with most people, it ends up being that like, you know, after a while, either they like me or they don't, mm -hmm. right? They get to know me mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll either enjoy working with me or they won't. And mm -hmm. I, 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 I try I, not to dissect yeah. why. If you try to break down like 
in your head, like, oh, why does this person not like me? Why does that? Like, you'll find yourself second guessing yourself mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And that just makes everything worse. That's true. Yeah. Um, when you said, yeah, there might be people that don't like working with you. I don't think that's true. I don't <laughs> think I've come across a single person that did not like absolutely love working for you. So you're doing something right. <laughs> um, but like, sometimes you're totally right. It's just better to be a little bit delusional. Yeah. <laughs> and just it for your own this. happiness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, exactly. like if it's something you can't do anything about, yeah. like why worry about yeah. it, right? Like I feel like coming to terms with like just the idea that some people will like you and people will not like you is just again very freeing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, okay, now what? Yeah. You don't like me, then what? Yeah. And like if you think about it, like there's tons of other reasons to not like me too, right? Yeah. Like one person might find me too loud and yeah. like that's fine, yeah. but I'm probably not gonna change even yeah. though that is something I probably could change. <laughs> yeah. I will you just have to um, especially in one of the cool things about academia is that like you have the freedom to work with the people you you mesh with the best mm-hmm. and those are like the most productive mm-hmm. you know working relationships that you can have anyway right yeah. so like I feel like it, it, it it's more effective to find people that you naturally mesh with mm-hmm. rather than try to change yourself to mm-hmm. yeah. fit um, a situation anyway like I, yeah. I find that's the optimal solution no matter yeah. what so yeah. Yeah. yeah and then you just start to lose yourself and become someone else which is like what's yeah. the point of that yeah. I think you have a great point in terms of like finding people to, you mesh with to work with I think that's always great but what happens is like if you're an immigrant and you know I, I, I came from India um, you don't have a lot of immigrants there it's just Indians and you're yeah. surrounded by Indians so it's just your own people and so you know kind of plucking, plucking me from that situation to somewhere where I was the only South Asian in my class it was hard for me to find people that I meshed with because previously it was just Indians and people of yeah. color. So I think now after what, 12 years or 10 years of living in Canada, I think I'm finally starting to, you know, just find people regardless of what their skin color looks like. I know people are looking at me and thinking, oh, she is Indian and that's kind of her yeah. major defining point. So I think for people that come here as immigrants, it might be hard for that transition. So, but I'm, I'm happy that like for you, it's been the case that, you know, you're able to find people and then that's, that's kind of it. Like see people for who they are. Oh yeah. Like I'm definitely like, I completely understand. And it's not just necessarily about like the way you look, but like when you come from a place where everyone sort of has the same cultural background, the same, I guess we'll call it like lived experience in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I can totally a- appreciate and understand when you come to a place that's very different, mm-hmm. suddenly like connecting with people is harder because you don't right. have those common mm-hmm. threads from your background, right? Yes. To, to, to draw yeah. on. So yeah. it's like you're learning social skills from the first, yes, from the exactly. ground up in a lot of exactly. ways, right? Like, like you're being socialized from the ground up. Yeah. And yeah. I can definitely appreciate mm-hmm. that's challenging. I mean, you know, I see, my cousins who came here at, at older ages mm-hmm. and obviously my parents had to struggle with that stuff. Right. Like, yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's definitely a thing that I appreciate. Yeah. I was lucky cause I grew up here. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so even if it wasn't like sort of quote unquote, I mean, I'm making air quotes, my yeah. culture, like I got to see the aspects of the cultures sure. of the different people around me. So at least I like, I had that baseline knowledge that I could yeah. use to establish a friendship. From, right. right? Mm-hmm. So, that was just an advantage that I had. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I think you guys both hit on a good point of like it's harder when you come from a place of being around people that are so like so much like you yeah. to a place where like no one looks like you, talks like you, is like you and similar social skills, similar culture. Um, and it just reminded me of this one episode of Modern Family in which I think they're like making fun of Gloria who speaks Spanish. She's like from Colombia. And she says a line and it's like so stupid. You guys are going to think this is so dumb. But basically she says like, I'm actually really smart in Spanish. (laughs) I just like relate to that. Yes. And it's really sad because like for me, I speak English as like my, you know, I can speak English really well, but Urdu, I can speak it. I can understand it. But like, I can't say the intricate thoughts in Urdu. I can't make a joke in Urdu because I just don't know the word. And so like I've asked other immigrants such as like Ahmed, he's on our team and he's from Egypt. And I asked him, like, when you think, do you first think in Arabic and then you translate and say in English? And he said that, yes, like, initially when he moved to Canada, that's how he would Mm -hmm. work for, like, the first five years. And, like, I just think that's so sad because you lose out on so much thought that people have. And, like, that makes so much sense on why you want to have people in your classrooms that are from South India and speak the same language as you. And, like, it's actually really sad how much we lose out on that. Um, and I can see how that makes it difficult for you to integrate because you you just don't you can't yeah. say the things you want to say, <laughs> no. and it's really sad. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> and it's it's on the other way too, right? That there's I feel like there's something sort of like built into us where we have a hard time as as human beings separating language skill from intelligence. So even though we're probably aware that just because a person is struggling with a language doesn't mean they're not smart, some small part of your brain is having trouble. Yes. You know. Connecting. connecting those wires and like yeah 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 but i'm glad to hear that you feel good and you haven't had those kind of experiences too much and if you have you don't know about it <laughs> <laughs> um and then the final question that we have before we do rapid fire is do you think there are plans of being a pi in the future because if not the world is missing out on a good pi <laughs> <laughs> well I, I'm, I'm glad uh, you think that um probably you know, it's hard to say, right? Because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, lots of stuff can happen. Um, I think it's at this point more likely that I'll wind up being a scientist at the government mm-hmm. rather than an external PI at a mm-hmm. university. Uh, and the reason I say that is because it's kind of hard to accidentally fall into a PI job, right? Like it's, it's as it should be, it's, it's a tough interview process. Although at the same time, I know that there's at least a few people at where I work who like after about 20 years of working as a research scientist, kind of fell into a PI job at the university. Like it was for them at that point, it was a lateral move. It wasn't like a move up per se, but it's things that can happen. happen. But in general, I think more than that though, um, I think the idea of like, even in my role at the government, I I probably plan to, you know, continue being involved in doing presentations, doing Mm -hmm. outreach stuff, working with students, Mm -hmm. um, new trainees, that kind of, I love doing that kind of stuff. So you know, I I would be very surprised if I don't find ways of incorporating that yeah. into whatever roles that I that I take on in the future. So yeah, I trust that. I yeah. feel like you'll be doing what a PI does, even if you're not a PI. And for the, those of you listening who are not familiar with the acronym PI, it's Principal Investigator. We've gotten in trouble with not explaining what things are. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for answering all our questions. Next up, I'm sure you've heard of it, is our rapid fire round. Um, All right. What's the most interesting or unique place a conference has taken you? Dublin. 
Uh, mm. I should have taken more time to explore than I did. Mm. I was really, I was only there for the days of the conference, but it was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Dublin. That's a good one. Okay, so this next question I'm really excited about. So what we know, um, this is insider information. We know that you work with cadavers. Yes. And we know that it invokes you in a specific type of feeling. Can you explain to the audience what it invokes? Oh, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I read once that um, there's, there's a reflex that some people have that when you see meat, you get hungry. So uh, I'll let you uh, connect those dots. <laughs> That's all we're going to say. <laughs> Essentially, that missing bone that you're talking about <laughs> is like yeah. digested into this. <laughs> um, I mean, that was just a rabbit. Like, <laughs> technically, that wouldn't even, yeah. besides the fact that you shouldn't eat lab That's supplies. Yeah. Just to clarify, he feels the same way about human cadavers. There we go. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> um, can you tell the trainees your biggest piece of advice for them? As a trainee, sometimes you're going to get feedback that feels very negative. Uh, don't take it personally because very often a lot of that negative feedback is not a personal attack. It's meant to sort of, you know, help you be, literally get to that goal. Mm -hmm. So if you go at it with that sort of attitude, I think you'll find um, it really helps in your own per personal growth. And mental health, both both together at the same time. So I think that's a really good piece of advice for trainees. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely something that we can all relate to. Um, last but not least, our final question is, what is your favorite podcast? Oh, it's this one, right? <laughs> Yay! Mission accomplished. <laughs> Thank you again so much, Ifas, for joining us today, taking the time out. It is his last day, so um, thank you for doing that with us. Uh, it has been such... A pleasure having you on the team and having you on this podcast and I hope your next job is filled with a lot of happiness and excitement um, and yeah all the best yeah awesome thanks for having me on thank you and we're gonna miss you so much but we hope in like 10 years from now we're gonna look back and listen to this podcast and still know each other and yeah. still keep in oh, touch yeah, absolutely. and yeah, all yeah. those good things yeah. so thanks so much and yeah, thanks thank everyone you. for listening bye <laughs>